As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. The world has changed, and Microsoft Teams is there to help us stay connected. Teams is the safe and secure way to chat, meet, call, and collaborate. To learn more, visit microsoft.com slash teams. Bruce Buffer. And now, it's time for the voice of mixed martial arts. We are it's Bruce Buffer. Bruce Buffer. From the shores of Malibu where the waves are pumping to the Great Wall of China and back to the streets of Fortaleza, Brazil, where the UFC is coming. We are live. This is It's Time Radio, the show we talk about what you think about but may be afraid to voice. Do not worry. We will voice it for you because we talk about everything on It's Time. This is No Holes Barred Radio, folks. And we have a very, very good show for you today, a fun show. we got John Anna coming on along with my co-host, TJ DeSantis, who's here with me now. The world has changed. And Microsoft Teams is there to help us stay connected. Teams is the safe and secure way to chat, meet, call, and collaborate. To learn more, visit Microsoft.com slash Teams. Now, TJ, heck of a weekend. Football, UFC, so much to talk about. And John Anik is the man that we need to talk about it with. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk to John here in a moment. I'm a little bit discombobulated. I had to move over the weekend. Not my house, but my studio. And uh, I'm all settled. No, uh, no time off. You know, did shows all last week. Didn't take a day off. So, uh, you know, moving a studio in a 24-hour period of time. Uh, I'm just happy it's over, man. It's it's the worst thing in the world. Moving. Uh, it's one of my least, if not my least favorite thing to do. I, I it's, it's just crazy. Once it's all done, it's wonderful. But it's it's definitely yeah, I can understand. Right. I mean, you can't totally find good. anything. You're sure you packed it up and and you put it here, but it's not there. And then all of a sudden, you find it over here and inevitably something's going to break. It's just the worst. Now, the good thing, though, is when you find something you forgot that you had. That's that true, happens, too. That always happens. Plus. And uh, I, found a, I found a crisp $100 bill tucked away uh, this move. Mm-hmm. So I had no idea that I had uh, put it there. But there you go. There you go. Got $100 a move. A big paycheck. Very cool. <laughs> right. I, I wish <laughs> I would have found it earlier and paid somebody 100 bucks to help me. <laughs> I want to thank everybody again for all the uh, orders coming in for the voiceovers and the videos. Kristen and I were so busy during December fulfilling your Christmas orders, and they just have continued to flow into the new year. So if you're getting married, you need a birthday, voiceover, you want a championship introduction, you're a business, podcast, you name it, Buffer does it. Just send in your request through brucebuffer.com. Kristen will answer with information and fees involved. I love doing these, and we are going to continue to rock and roll on all the videos and audios for you fans all through this year and on. TJ, why don't we go ahead and bring on John Anik? I can't wait to talk about what happened this weekend. 
It's time! You asked for it, and you got it at BruceBuffer.com. Championship introductions at a special rate are now provided for all of you as a keepsake for life, like you are being introduced like a champion in the cage. Just go to BruceBuffer.com. Specials for championship introductions, weddings, birthdays, voicemail, and business recordings. I'm here for you if you need me. Check me out at BruceBuffer.com. And now, I can't think of a better guest to bring on the show, especially during the NFL playoffs, especially during the UFC, now on ESPN. A man who knows more than anybody knows about both those subjects, and here he is, John Anik, UFC commentator, John Anik. Hi, John. That is high praise, BB. Always a pleasure, my man. I, you know, I probably say this on your show every time, but Bruce Buffer calls. you got to take that phone call if you're John Anik, so here we are, you know. <laughs> I appreciate it, especially when you need money, John. Answer the phone, please. <laughs> <laughs> Which almost happened when New England, if New England had not won that game, I might have had to give you a call. Especially I after certainly the, would not be on the podcast today if, uh, if the Chiefs had beaten the Patriots, that's for damn sure. Be too much withdrawal, too, too upset? Well, I mean, I, to, for, I certainly wouldn't come on to analyze it, right, because I don't, you know what I mean? It's like I don't have to, and so why, you know, the, the championship game losses, Super Bowl losses, as you can speak to, they're just not very fun, you know, and I, I have a flight booked to Atlanta, and if the Patriots lose a Super Bowl, i got to get in the car and drive back to Boca Raton, Florida. Uh, it's not going to be fun. So thankfully uh, they won, and, and I enjoy talking about it, you know. Well, good. I was going to keep the NFL later, but let's, let's just touch on the subject right now. So are you saying you're going to Atlanta? You're going to the Super Bowl? So I, have, I rented a truck. Uh, well, I'm flying to Atlanta, and I rented a truck when I get there. I don't have a game ticket right now. I suppose – Bruce Buffer should have been among my first phone calls, TJ, in terms of trying to get a connection for a ticket. But I am on the prowl for a ticket for me and my twin brother, and uh, hopefully, you know, in, in 10 days or so, I'll have secured one, and, and I won't have my nose be bleeding for eight or nine Gs. Isn't oh. Brian Stan City, Atlanta, Georgia? Can't, can't you hit up Stan? Oh, you can be sure that Brian Stan has already been reached out to. As yet, though, nobody has uh, been able to come through. I'm more than willing to pay face value. I'm more than willing to pay a premium. What I'm trying to avoid is paying five or six Gs for a nosebleed seat, you know. But so, uh, one way or another, I'll get in the building. Let me ask you, what is the face value? What, 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 is they going, what are the tickets going for? Well, first, you know? I want to say that I, I said last year, if the Patriots with Belichick and Brady got back to one, that I would go because the first eight they've gone to together, I haven't gone to. So it's sort of a commitment to myself. I think you can get a bleeder right now for like 3500 bucks, but I'm aiming a little bit higher than that. You know, I don't mind paying a little bit more uh, for a once-in-a-lifetime experience if I can get a little bit closer to the field. But I'm, I'm just excited to be in the building, you know, and uh, one way or another, Buff, will make it happen. So what's going to be the bigger number? The money you put on the game or the money you spend on the tickets? So as some of your listeners may know, I, I always bet against the Boston teams to try to purchase championships. And uh, if you haven't been under a rock since February 3rd, 2002, you know that has worked out quite well. I probably spent, you know, 15000 uh betting against the Patriots, Red Sox, Celtics, and Bruins in playoff and championship situations. You know, I had like two grand on the Chiefs, and it worked out. So uh, we're going to keep that trend going. Uh, as for the Super Bowl, you're right. My wager will now, my wager on the Rams will depend on how much it costs me to get in the building because I am married, and it's not like I can just sneak seven, eight grand under my wife's nose. You know, I'm not Bruce Buffer. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm going to take a hit. I'm going to take a hit. I don't know. I don't know. I think you're getting some pretty big paychecks over there, but I'd be happy to do this, Johnny. The Pats are minus two. 
I think it's a great bet. You're saying that you are going to bet on the Rams, correct? Yes. All right, action time. We did it last year. Let's do a two hundred dollar gentleman bet. You want to give me minus? You want me to take the pass minus two? Do you want to bet with me? Or you want to leave? You it have a bet. So I have the Rams plus two for two hundred dollars. Is that what you're telling me? Nice gentleman friendly bet. Yes. Outstanding. I love doing business with you, Buff. There we go. I'll love it too, especially when I collect. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you will. You can be sure. <laughs> God, I feel like this is charity, TJ. <laughs> I- <laughs> All right, so now let's let's just talk for a second here. I went four for four the previous week on the betting side. My Eagles lost, but they covered. Um, I'm a huge Patriots fan. I was, the games were amazing going into overtime. Let's just start with the first game. Big controversy in the Rams and the Saints game. Um, the Saints, you know, obviously being favored to, for the win. That non-referee call, the the, uh, the pass interference call that was made, has now generated a response from the NFL a rumor to the fact that after that situation, they are going to make pass interference reviewable at length to avoid this from ever happening again. Do you feel that's proper? Yeah, I think something has to be done. It really is tricky because the NFL has gone to great lengths to shore up its instant replay situation. You know, every scoring play is reviewed, and they're able to do it in in a pretty efficient and economical manner, especially during the regular season when there's a lot more football going on, right? Like, they're making these decisions quickly in the postseason. They're only looking at one game. They're not looking at a full slate. So I think you just have to be careful, though, because if you start allowing instant replay and challenges for face masks, you know, there was a blatant face mask on Jared Goff that wasn't called. Is that a challengeable play? Is that a reviewable play? And it sounds to me like you're saying it's just going to be pass interference, which I think makes a lot of sense. In the case of this play, it's crazy because if you eliminate the situation and just focus on the non-call, it's one of the most egregious non-calls I have ever seen in my life. You had two officials in pretty good position to make what was a clear call to anyone who has watched any ounce of NFL football. So the fact that in this type of moment it happened is just absolutely nuts. And there, as you know, I mean, there are always singular plays in these NFL games that swing the outcome. You know, it never really truthfully comes down to one play. But this, in a Final Four situation, it certainly felt like it did. And uh, the officials were in place to make a call. And uh, I, I just don't know how either of those men, with all due respect, is employable anymore, especially given the res- response from one of them. You know what I mean? I, I just don't know how. You know, and, and the thing, too, it's almost like, are you in your own head and not pulling the flag? I mean, what are you looking for? You know, well, it's like, oh, you can't. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I mean, it's, like, it's, just, it's almost like the setting and the situation, the magnitude of the game got in his head, and he was afraid to throw the flag. Yeah, well, you know, refereeing was in question this weekend, whether it was in the octagon or on the NFL field. We'll talk about the octagon with Dillashaw and Cejudo in a second. But now with that call, there was also stepping to the next game real quick because of the face mask. There was a call that was made on uh, against, excuse me, there was a call that was made against Kansas City for the face mask hit that Brady took. But when you look at the replay, it was almost like me throwing a phantom punch at you and missing your face like a stuntman moving a movie. That was a bad call in itself, even though I was happy right. to see the Patriots get that call, if you know what I'm saying. So getting yeah. back. I mean, there's, yeah. there's a lot of calls that went, went, went both ways. Uh, and obviously, again, Brady threw an interception. There was a clear neutral zone infraction by Kansas City. If they missed that call, the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl, right? And everybody in New England is crying foul. You know, it happens. I think that's why you saw Belichick and Brady were just so 
satisfied. I mean, I can tell you, to a man, a fan, a player, this is the most satisfying non-championship win that this New England team and brass has ever had. Because to go to Kansas City and beat Patrick Mahomes and that team on the road in a championship game with Andy Reid, you know, they have a lot of respect for the people in the other locker room. I think Mahomes is going to win a Super Bowl probably next year. Um, that's a huge, huge win. And I know they haven't won anything yet, but it feels like championship Tuesday to me, man. i got to be honest with you. Absolutely. And, and two last comments regarding the game. Kansas City basically bageled during the first half. They woke up in the second half. They scored an amazing right. amount of points. They almost won the game. Mahomes is destined for a championship ring as well as the rest of the team. Also, the NFL. Now, I didn't know this. The NFL says the league is looking to report that a laser beam was directed at the Patriots quarterback, Tom Brady, during Sunday's yeah. game. Um, it appeared on Brady's, like a green light appeared on Brady's upper body on multiple occasions during the game. I would right. assume if they find out anybody like that, that person would be arrested for that. Is that true or not? Do you know? Oh, yeah, I, I would assume so. Anybody who does any, I mean, they're, they're very strict, obviously, uh, and they need to be. So, yeah, I mean, I just saw that just before we came on the air, actually. So, yeah, man, it's a crazy world out there. I mean, you know, it's... Uh, not an easy time, especially you think a lot about that. I think when you have young children, it's like, man, look at look at the world that I'm entering these three poor little people into. You know, it's fucking crazy out there, man. Hey, do you guys it's remember cra- like the late '90s? Those laser pointers were everywhere. I remember going to right. baseball games and like you couldn't go to an event without seeing them. And now we we still hear about it, but it's it's much less frequently. Yeah, but the lasers they have now, I bet, are a lot more effective. Than no the doubt. They had back then. Yeah, so for sure. It's, it's, it is a different world in that respect. Well, also, too, just with the straight, you know, random violence that happens in the world, it, it seems that it's, it's, it feels like it could be much more than just a light nowadays. You know what I mean? That's sort of what I'm intimating, yeah. Yeah, I got you both. I hear what you're both thinking and saying. All right, let's step over to the UFC, okay? On Saturday night was an historic night uh, in respect to the fact that we were having our first show on ESPN uh, the ESPN Plus, the app, I'm still acclimating myself to it. Uh, my mother was able to get it on TV. So if my mom can get it on TV, I think anybody out there can get it on TV. And, oh, you're selling Connie short. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, she's brilliant. You know that. I know you're her biggest fan, Johnny. <laughs> she's sharper than I am, <laughs> as you always say. <laughs> well, the numbers came in. 568,000 new SPN Plus subscribers between Friday and Saturday, 1.4 million, uh, basically on a metered market rating, watching the shows, uh, the highest rated UFC preliminaries ever watched uh, since at least 2013. I would say that the brass, Dana White, everybody, Patrick White, Celari, Emmanuel, I would say everybody's pretty happy with those numbers. Wouldn't you, John? Yeah, so if half of those subscribers stay on for a year, you know, some might be do the trial for the one free show. But let's just yeah. lowball it and say half of those people are subscribed for a year. That's $17 million, right? And for 60 bucks a year, a lot of those people will be around for five years, right? You get them for five years, 317 you know, do the math, that's $85 million. So it's encouraging, obviously, for us to have you know, contributed to that type of imprint. I think the timing obviously was very good. It was a big sports weekend with a ton of eyes on ESPN because of the championship games. So I don't know if it was strategic, but I think they were pushing UFC when there were a lot of eyeballs there. And a lot of people looking to run clock on the eve of championship Sunday were were watching the UFC. So, uh, you know, overall production, I uh, was pretty good. There were some things we could have done better, but you know, we've, we haven't had a perfect show yet and we never will. So, uh, it's, ex- it's exciting for me to have the first one in the can, obviously. I think there was 
some extra pressure and uh you know like my my tv scripts took me forever you know just a lot of different elements and and new slugs and and things for me um but yeah man i thought it was great uh and i'm glad it's in the can yeah i I can imagine you know and people we've talked about it before but you know the preparation like for me my preparation pre-show takes me about two and a half hours once i get to the show on saturday i have another two hours of prep that's nothing compared to what you do john I mean, the, the amount of prep that you have to do, people, I don't think they can fathom what it takes to sit behind that desk for six to eight hours, nonstop talking with all the facts and the factuals you've got to put out. Well, I often think about these NFL play-by-play guys who go 17 straight weeks, and in the case of the guys who do the playoffs, they go 20 or 21 straight weekends. But obviously calling an NFL football game, with all due respect to that, is is a different beast than 13 fights. So, yeah, it's a grind. There's no doubt about it. Just try to be as fresh as possible on fight night and make sure you don't blow out all your energy in fight one so you have energy for fight 13. But if you really approach the studying as if Corey Sandhagen – you know, and, and guys who fight early deserve just as much respect and time as T.J. Dillashaw and Henry Cejudo, then you can never do too much prep, and it becomes very daunting. So my anxiety is all in the preparation. At this point, there's almost no performance anxiety. Um, I'm excited when I get to the arena because all, all the prep is, is in the barn. Right. Now, with that being said, you were prepped for a heck of a night of action and fights, um, some surprises, of course. So... We look at uh, the Glover to Sheriff fight, excellent strong win over Carl Roberson, Paige Van Sant, Rachel Ostovich. They just went at it. Uh, great technical fight, Paige winning with the arm bar. Got to give Paige credit. I think her arm bars are approaching, if not near, the amount of arm bars that Ronda Rousey has had in the octagon. Uh, so she's becoming a bit of an arm bar queen herself for her past efforts. Dustin Ortiz and Joseph Benavides. Were you happy with the outcome of that fight as far as Dustin and Joseph and the way it was scored? You're saying you thought Dustin might have gotten the nod, or no? I'm just, you know, Dustin was very disappointed after the show, and I could see yeah. there might be some conjecture. But I thought Joseph fought a hell of a fight. They're two of my favorite fighters. They're always in there, and they give it their all. Um, but you know, yeah, they're I mean, always I, somebody I, always has to lose, right? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was close. You know, I probably had it two-one Joseph, but again, when I'm calling a fight, you can probably throw out my scorecard. Yeah, I mean, it was certainly a fun fight to watch a lot of interesting grappling exchanges and transitions on the ground and you know we talked a lot about Dustin Ortiz's cardio it's just you know when I sat across from him on Thursday and I was like whenever people talk about cardio and conditioning Dustin I talk about you and I say there may be guys who work as hard but nobody works harder and he's like no one works as hard I assure you and I'm sure there are guys who work as hard, but he truly has been an absolute workhorse, and he fought Joseph a lot closer than he did back in 2014. So he's evolved a lot, but he's just not quite there with the elite guys. And, uh, you know, we'll see what they do with the flyweight division. You know, I think the writing's on the wall, but but there's still some unknowns. Well, when you have that with the flyweight division, you've got to look at guys like Joseph Benavides, Dustin Ortiz. You have to look, of course, at Henry Cejudo. has also proved, you know, proven the fact he can go where he wants to go to the 135 uh, the bottom line is all these guys will have to go to 135. So when you look at Joseph and you look at Dustin, do you think their careers will be just as strong and performances just as strong fighting 10 pounds heavier if that's their only choice? Certainly not just as strong. I mean, Benavidez started his UFC career as a bantamweight and won two fights, went 2-0 and at 135 pounds. So he's certainly a guy who has competed in that weight class before. Of course, he fought Dominic Cruz uh, at a championship level you know, at 135 pounds. So, yeah, I think Joseph could realize some success. I don't know that he'd be in the top five like he is at flyweight. I just think it all comes down to Henry Cejudo and what his appetite 
for this next fight is, right? Because if you're Cejudo, uh, does it make more sense to rematch Benavidez and try to avenge a loss? Or, I mean, does it make more sense to fight TJ Dillashaw and try to become a simultaneous two-weight champion in what's a much bigger fight, you know? I understand that this is Cejudo's weight class, and for his frame, it's the right weight class, and he has certainly mastered the weight cut. But uh, he's got to rematch TJ in my mind. I think TJ, candidly, deserves a rematch, and I think it should happen at 135 pounds. And I agree with you 100% on everything that you just said. Gregor Golitsky, Yancey Medeiros. Um, I introduced Gregor, not as a wrestler, as I should have. I accidentally introduced him as a striker. But he finished this, this fight as a striker. Now, I felt very justified in the fact that I called him a striker, the way he performed and the way he finished this fight. This guy is undefeated. And he's, he's menacing. He's a very, very tough cat in that octagon, John. Oh, I might be my favorite fighter on the roster with respect to the other 250 that I say are my favorite fighter on the roster. <laughs> but seriously, he's an animal. I mean, he, yeah. the thing is, I was on the bus with him after the fact, and poor guy went to go do the post-fight show, and he came back, and someone stole his backpack with his wallet and everything else. So he uh-huh. was irritated to, uh, to have a trip to the DMV in his near future. But yeah. he's 6-0 in the UFC. He's 13-0 overall. His college wrestling credentials are absurd. I'm not going to run him down for you. But... He has the longest finishing streak of any fighter in the UFC right now. Unless I'm mistaken, nobody in the UFC has finished six straight opponents. He has five. So even if at times maybe it's not a striker's delight or the most fan-pleasing fight in the world, domination and, and takedown, right? Like George St. Pierre made the takedown fun to watch for me when he's tossing Tiago Alves 30 feet across the octagon. Yeah. Gregor Gillespie is enjoyable to watch because it's total domination. And as he articulated after the fact, and as he said to me on the bus, it's like, you want me to finish guys, right? That's the goal is to go in there and stop guys, and no one's done that better than he has. So, yeah, it's not flying knees and fucking Superman punches, but I don't know what we're looking for. John, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, sorry, lost for a second. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. Now, re- refresh my memory. Ben Askren, what weight does yeah. he fight at? Will he fight 70. at lightweight? 70. Okay, I'd just love to see Gregor and Ben go at it. That's two oh, quality. Oh, sure. I mean, well, yeah, well, I think I, I, Gregor and Khabib is a fight that I know Ken Flo would love ooh, to see. Ooh, yes. I didn't even think about that. I should have. Yes, you're right. All right, Greg Hardy uh, debuting in the actual UFC octagon on UFC Fight Night. Um, Alan Crowder. Uh, the fight stopped early due to an illegal knee. Uh, your viewpoint on that? Good stoppage, the whole nine yards? Well, I'm, I'm excited to hear your viewpoint. Um, I, I thought the right decision was made, but I just didn't like the way Dan Mergliata carried himself in that situation. I thought that Greg Hardy, I don't think he was looking for a way out. I don't think there was anything intentional about it. I think this is a very green martial artist with three pro fights who did not start training any martial art until November of 2016, other than a few boxing repetitions because the NFL started getting into you know some martial arts training. So if, if another fighter who was 3-0 and threw a knee like this, and by the way, it wasn't a full-velocity knee because Alan Crowder would have been far worse if that had been the case, um, but if any other fighter, I think, who's 3-0 and in the UFC, deservedly on the roster or otherwise at 3-0 and had thrown this knee, it wouldn't have been handled the same way. Sure, it might have been a DQ if the guy couldn't continue, but he's being read the riot act by everyone and people. I understand it was the worst case scenario for him, but at least in my opinion, there was nothing intentional about it. He was very remorseful after the fact he was crying on the bus. Uh, This is the last thing he needed. He knew it. And and in my mind, there was nothing intentional about it. 
But my viewpoint, because it happened to happen <clears throat> directly in front of me where I was sitting. Right. Uh, yeah. So I, I viewed it as an illegal knee. I viewed it as a proper stoppage for the results because Alan Crowder just couldn't recover. I mean, he was having a hard time recovering. Greg Hardy, I saw I saw a report on his post-fight press conference. I thought he handled himself very well. I thought he was very honest about it. He basically said, have I ever cheated in the past when I played football, when I did this? He said one statement, if I'm correct in this, that he was fully not aware in so many words of the rules, that which means that he needs to be first better on the rules. And even though he just started training in 2016, knowing how to throw or when not to throw a knee, being illegal or proper, is something you should know before you step into that octagon on fight night. Yes. So that, You're that's right, and he's, yeah. yes, and he's training with the rule set every day, so he certainly should know the rule. Right, his act becomes less defensive when he says he didn't know the rule, mm-hmm. um, because even though it wasn't total chaos in the octagon at that time, he still, you know, threw the strike with intent, right, unknowingly yeah. in my mind. So, yeah, man, I guess I just felt like Dan Mergliata was like emotionally invested, which a referee should never be. And call me crazy, but he just, it almost seemed like, you know, he shouted for everyone, including Crowder, to hear, you know, in an angry manner, like, hey, if, if, if this guy can't continue, I'm disqualifying that guy. Almost as if his inner monologue was because of, of Greg Hardy's past transgressions outside the octagon. Um, I'm going to tell the world right now that he's getting, it was almost like Murviana wanted to DQ him. Um, I just, I don't know, man, that was really surprising for me to see Dan so emotional uh, in there. Dan was upset when I got in the octagon. I mean, he was upset about the, the, the knee that was thrown. He was upset at Greg the whole bit, but he was, you know, doing his job as a referee. But I will say, like you're saying, uh, I saw Dan a little more emotionally uh, into this decision than normal. But, you know, he is one of the best referees out there. They are the sheriffs of the octagon. But there's a lot of refereeing questions, like I said, both in the NFL and on this night in the UFC. Um, Greg Hardy and Crowder was very entertaining to watch. I, I wanted to see it go further. What happened happened. Obviously, they'll both be back. Now let's talk about the flyweight title fight. We have a double belt champion in T.J. Dillashaw. We have a single belt champion defending, reigning, the flyweight title in Henry Cejudo gets stopped at 30 seconds or whatever it was by Kevin McDonald, who's also another very fine referee. Let's have your take. Was it stopped early? How do you feel? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Kevin McDonald is a top five referee, and yes. I think it was a little bit early. I think given the, the championship stakes, uh, given the fact that I think, as Daniel Cormier said to me after the fact, you know, these are flyweights right it's not like these guys are, are middleweights right so maybe five seconds longer the damage maybe wouldn't have been as steep as it would be if these guys were you know heavyweights or light heavyweights um but yeah i thought it was a little bit early especially after watching it after the fact but i defer to these refs you know they're right there in front of the action you know they're trying to protect these fighters josh rosenthal and tj knows this all too well was a referee that was ubiquitously celebrated because he would always let fights go long and that results sometimes in some incredible rallies and comebacks but I think the problem is referees who allow these fights to go on end up being celebrated, and the referees who prematurely stop fights, you know, are the ones who, you know, get our venom, right? So Kevin texted me. He said, you know, he just, they don't want to be a part of the story, not unlike a play-by-play announcer buff, right? Like, they, he, he just wants it to be drama-free at the end of the night, and uh, he stands by his decision, but he just feels bad that they're talking about him. 
Yeah, I understand. But as I always say, all publicity is good publicity. Just spell my name correctly. But, you know, in the case of a referee, there's a reputation. Um, right. They are. The, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. One of the toughest jobs, aside from your job, John, and I consider it to be a, a hard job. You've got to be on your toes and ready to go when you're behind that desk. When you're in that octagon and you're the referee and it's all about fighter safety. I'm for it. You're for it. I don't even need to ask you about it. They make the decisions. We can't quite, well, we can question them, but we have to abide by them is the way it goes. So that was just it. I got to see another fight between these two warriors. I was, I was bummed as everybody was bummed. We knew it was going to be a pure six, highly skilled brawl, highly skilled MMA fight, five rounds, four rounds, three rounds, two. We got 30 seconds. Disappointing, right. but Henry Cejudo, major credit, John. He came out fists flying. This is not the way Henry Cejudo normally comes out for a fight. He attacked Dillashaw like a lion, and and yeah. uh, he got on top of him. You know, I get him all the credit in the world. And TJ, the gentleman that he is in defeat, had a total right to be upset, had a total right to act how he acted, but he did nothing but praise Henry Cejudo. TJ Dillashaw acted with class, as did Henry. Love seeing it, but I want to see the fight again. Yeah, I, TJ at first, you know, I don't think uh, handled it as well as he would have liked to. And, and I know in my post-fight interview, uh, maybe when I suggested that he was all class, it was a little bit of a reach, even though I was speaking more about, I think, fight week and, and in a broader sense. But he went on Henry's Instagram the following day and was like, congratulations, sorry I wasn't more sincere the night before. I just think they need to fight again. And that, for TJ, absolutely has to happen. For Henry, um, you know, praise the Lord, man. I mean, all credit to this guy. He deserves it. Uh, he had a very specific game plan. And even though I haven't heard him speak to this after the fight, um, I think that was his game plan, right, which was to go out there yeah. and, and really try to dictate what happened, especially early, and to strike a little bit with TJ. I mean, a lot of people suggested he had heavier hands and that TJ's chin has been cracked by John Dodson and cracked by Cody Garbrandt and others at times. So, um, you know, I think there was some segment of the fan base that wasn't totally surprised by this. I mean, certainly the 32 seconds on the clock, but uh, – just great for Henry. You know, he's done everything the right way. He really has. And the only thing you could ever knock on him was that early on in his career, he wasn't, you know, handling the weight cut as well as he could. But uh, he's a great ambassador for the UFC. He really is. And I, I would like to see them keep the division for him because I think he could be a long, long reigning champion. And uh, I don't know. I just I like hearing him talk. Uh, I like everything about him. Yeah, I do too. And I share those same sentiments. And no matter how you cut it, he's an amazing, historical, accomplished athlete. You know, gold medal both in uh, the Olympics and gold around his waist in the UFC. Who the heck has, has, else has that, right? Amazing. It's crazy. It, it crazy. really is, and it's so funny how life works because middle of last year, Daniel Cormier becomes a two-division UFC champion. He wins the heavyweight title to go with his active current light heavyweight title. He's on top of the world, right? And then a few months later, you know, Henry Cejudo is in the National Wrestling Hall of Fame and ends Demetrius Johnson's reign to become the only guy with Olympic gold and UFC gold. And then he does this, right? It's like, uh, yeah, he was joking on the broadcast. I said, thank God Daniel Cormier got his 2018 Fighter of the Year award out of the way because uh, Cejudo is closing fast, you know? It's, it's just funny. I sort of bring it up in the context of D.C. being on top of the world. And then, man, look at Cejudo. I mean, what Daniel Cormier, he has eight UFC belts at home. I bet he'd give you seven of them for an Olympic gold medal, if not all eight. Uh, absolutely. Being the kind of competitor that an athlete that Daniel is, I have to agree with you. Well, it was a heck of a night, a hell of a night. 
Um, looking forward to the next one. We're now in the family of ESPN. I believe it's going to create more eyeballs than ever for the UFC as it grows, you know, in trajectory over the next year, you know, five years that we've been contracted with ESPN. It's going to be a very exciting ride, John. You and I have first class seats on that bus, and I'm going to enjoy every single minute of it with you. No question. Um, yeah, man. With this, I want to go into another story here real quick. Uh, this involves a UFC fighter, and this is something that's kind of heartfelt, far heartfelt. Fabricio Verdum. He's not fighting in the UFC. He's going to be fighting in, uh, in EBI, correct, TJ? Yes, February 22nd, he's doing uh, combat jiu-jitsu. Right. Well, I don't know if you guys heard about this or not, and this is really praise. He's a great guy. I know Fabricio. One of the nicest human beings I've ever met in my life, uh, both as a fighter and both as a man. The former UFC heavyweight actually saved the life of a drowning teen on Sunday at Torrance, California Beach. He was on the beach with his family having a picnic, and he saw a rescue effort when the lifeguard was going into the water and without hesitation dove into the water to assist. The fighter saved, the lifeguard saved one, a lifeguard in a boat saved one teen, while the fighter saved another because he realized the lifeguard couldn't handle both, um, saving both individuals. So basically, he went out there, he grabbed one of the uh, red cans, what we call them, I used to be a lifeguard, we call them cans, but they're basically foam, and he swam out about 75 yards out and saved a young boy with the orange buoy. He slung it around his chest and he went right out there. Good for him. I love hearing these stories. Awesome. Very, very cool. I mean, go to MMAJunkie.com and read the full version of that story. It gave me chills when I was reading it early. And the, the, the takeaway quote is, uh, he says something like, you know, it just, his heart is just beating through his skin. It's like you've been in a, you've been in a, a cage with the door locked with Cain Velazquez, right? He's like, that's nothing, you know what I mean? I mean, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said it just made the, a fight in the UFC feel like, you know, a day at the park with your kids, right, when you're in a life to death, life and death situation like he was in today or a few days ago. So, yeah, man, good for Verdum, and happily he uh, he was able to uh, get out safely himself because it sounded like maybe people that were alongside him were like, dude, I don't know if you should battle that water. Well, exactly, because the waves actually were large that day. So, you know, it makes a whole different world when you're swinging under the ocean. So good for good for Mauricio. Very, very cool. John, we, we're going to go over some news. Do you have to go? Do you have 10 more minutes, or you got to go? Cause I got a couple- 10 minutes. All right, cool. Christian Ronaldo. Christian Ronaldo has been ordered to pay a $21 million fine as punishment for tax fraud. He didn't report some, he made $90 million last year, right? But he didn't report $16.7 million in income that was made from his image rights in Spain. So he was facing a 23-month prison sentence, but he hammered out a deal to save himself. So, you know, I guess the rich get richer or whatever. It's amazing. You have so much money. You don't pay your taxes. You hide money. Whatever his reasoning. He's got other issues, too. He's being sued in the United States by a woman who claims um, she was raped by him. I have to say it. That's what it says in the news. In a hotel, uh, Vegas hotel room in 2009. So definitely uh, one of the greatest soccer players ever. But pay your taxes, Ronaldo. Pay your taxes. Avoid this kind of stuff. You don't need to go to jail. Yeah, and time is money, right? I mean, he's got to deal with all of the legal stuff. And come on, dude. Oh, huge money, huge money. And there's no soccer in jail, I don't think. <laughs> I don't think it'd be a fun time. Are you into sharks? TJ and I talk about it all the time. They reported a legendary, the biggest great white shark, or believed to be the largest on the planet, was spotted by divers as it fed on a whale carcass off the coast of Hawaii. They got footage. One of the divers got in and swam beside it. That's balls of steel. A 20-foot-long female. They believe the female... Oh, 20 feet long. That means the head 
is probably, if I'm doing a guesstimate, is probably in the area of eight feet wide. It's crazy. The shark is over 50 years old, and they feel that possibly could be pregnant. So they captured it. These pictures are unbelievable. Oh, God. Staggering. Wow. Enjoy your trip to Honolulu. Have a good I'm telling well, right. It's like I'm sitting here in Florida looking out my backyard, and the sign says, Beware of gators, resident fishing only, you know? Um, and it, now you're just, I just, you're scaring me, Buff. I, I love Hawaii. I know, but you know, in your area too, I mean, gators get a number of people. People don't realize how many they get a year. And also, they've done visuals over the coast of uh, Miami, right? When people are in there in the water. And you can see the little tiny sharks swimming in and out of the people in knee deep water over there. I've seen this. There's oh, sharks all over the place. Now, whether they're going to attack or not, I'm not trying to scare you, but they're there. They're there. Uh, are you a big movie buff? Do you enjoy film? I mean, I love, I mean, I used to obviously have more time to watch movies before I had children, um, ages seven, five and six months old. God help me. But yeah, I mean, I, my memory's not great, but yeah, I've, I mean, of course. Well, they, they announced the Oscars, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to save some time on that. I have some collectible stuff I want to share with you before I let you go, because I think you're going to find one of these very, very fascinating. Jackie Robinson. Thank Jackie Robinson. The historical baseball contract that Jackie Robinson signed with the Brooklyn Dodgers. It's one of the most important documents of all time, because, of course, he was the first Afro-American ball player to play professional baseball. Am I correct in that, right? So first one to sign with a major league team. Okay, they expect it to, to hit the auction block and to bring millions Okay, how much do you think it was appraised at his contract, John? Just take a wild guess. I thought you were going to tell me that Brian Buffer somehow secured it. Um, <laughs> Brian would be have... all over this, but this yeah. is more money than the Buffer family has, I think. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I, oh gosh, I don't, I don't know, $20, $20 million. Close, $36 million appraisal. Oh. They're going to put it out for a $15 million reserve, and it's going to be up for auction. They expect it to fetch millions. A lot of times these appraisals, it goes like my, my, my cars for UFC 232, I put on auction and sold uh, to benefit the Make-A-Wish Foundation. I sold them individually. John, I, we talked about this last week. John Jones' card went for $250, give or take, and Amanda Nunes' card against Cyborg went for $4,272 and was bought by Dan Lambert, who happens to own American Top Team. But he was on the show and talked about it. He put his son and they did the bidding and they got in a bidding war. You never know what these things are going to go for, ever. That's amazing amazing now another another interesting thing here you're familiar with kenyan drake i mean he's down in your territory okay kenyan drake's they call it the miami miracle ball are you familiar with this ball yes and the story yeah okay so basically it's a great investment for everybody won it um it's definitely a blemish on tom brady's career that's why i figured you would know it that ball just sold for eighteen thousand dollars yeah and Tom fucking Brady is preparing for the Super Bowl right now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So um, they can have their Miami miracle. And what's so interesting about it is because that play prevented the Patriots from playing the Chiefs at Gillette Stadium two days ago, right? Had that play not happened, that game would not have been at Arrowhead. And it's so goddamn satisfying. I mean, I sound like a complete asshole right now, but it's so <laughs> satisfying to go to Arrowhead and to win the AFC championship in a year in which the AFC was really tough, man, with the Ravens and the Chargers and obviously the Chiefs. Um, to get out of the AFC this year has me very excited. So, uh, I, I mean, TJ, how am, I, how am I supposed to react when he starts trotting out this Miami miracle stuff? I'm down here in South Florida trying to shield myself from all these Ryan Tannehill jerseys. I don't know what you want from me. 
I, I saved this one especially for you. Two more, and these this is up, Brian. Uh, my brother Brian Buffers in my alley. Brian being the huge collector that he is of World War II artifacts, military guns and artifacts, rifles, swords, everything, as well as myself. The World War, the historical World War II document, the original surrender agreement by Germany that ended World War II in Europe, is going to be on sale now for three point five million dollars. We have many, many documents from World War II, some worth tens of thousands of dollars, but $3.5 million, it's amazing. And I, I would say that's worth $3.5 million, definitely. You know, if, if your brother, I don't know how much you talk about your brother's collection, and Bruce has a tremendous collection in his own right, but we used to have a, a collectible show on a radio station that I was the program director of, so I got into it a little bit. Brian Buffer, man, I mean, he has an absurd collection. You know, I'm sure there's some some gems in there that he doesn't even know are worth, you know, six, seven figures. You just don't know. Right. No, he doesn't know. I mean, he knows, but it's like, he'll pull stuff out. Like he put a few things on eBay, uh, the last month of last year, two last couple months, he pulled them out of a drawer. You don't even notice them missing. And he moved like about 10 to $20,000 in product on eBay. Just, the, yeah. Just, did it. I don't even notice it. I wanted his house. You don't even notice it. It's impossible. He's got, it's not just home. He, he has so much. He's got him in vaults. He's not going to keep him at, at the house where it's dangerous. He's got a few items there, but he's got his stuff socked away as I do too. One thing also, I had a big collector. I've told you before of wax packs of unopened wax packs. And right. TJ, we've talked about this, the 61 Fleer wax pack. I have two of these. I paid $1,100 for each of them approximately four years ago. Last year, they sold for $2,100. Now one just sold last week. And I always tell you, they go up anywhere from 20, 30, 50%, sometimes even 100. I've seen it happen. Just sold for $3,305. And it's PSA graded seven, which is one grade less than what I have which means that my pack could maybe go for four. I paid $1,100 for this four years ago. That's almost a 300% return on my original investment. People, I'm telling you, save, collect, but the old stuff, supply and demand is worth the most money. Incredible. It, it's interesting, too, when you have young people, right, kids like I do, and you buy certain toys and they become sort of all the rage. You know, you find yourself thinking long term and thinking, hey, I wonder if I buy like 50 of these unopened and just stash them away if they might be worth something someday. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating. It really is. And uh, I don't know. I always try to tell Bruce or Brian, like, dude, don't be afraid to sell that one, man, you know, <laughs> because the collection is so vast. Well, you, it's just like anything else. You try not to get emotionally attached, but it's really hard. I mean, I, was, I wouldn't move anything in my house unless I have to, you know, or my, my areas where I'm I keep I'm far it. less emotional, I think, with my stuff, you know. Um, even now that I have a little boy, um, I just don't know. I mean, because the baseball card inventory that I have is pretty obnoxious, you know, but they're not all nicely packaged up like yours. But um, I always thought, you know, I got all these boxing gloves signed by, you know, because every fight we would go to, we'd get a signed glove by both guys. Um, I guess I just never uh, got too attached to any of it, you know. I'm more attached to your poster collection than anything I have under my roof. To <laughs> so am I, John. <laughs> so am I. And it's understandable. Keep it that way, John. There will be The ones that you get attached to, You'll know it when you see it. You'll feel it, yeah. and it's and it's all good. John, it's always great to have you on the show. I want to let you get back. you got a lot to do, I'm sure. But now you've got time off, right? I mean, we're not going to do anything till Melbourne, correct? 
Yeah, it just depends how you quantify the time off. I mean, by doing your podcast, I got out of bath time. I still got to do bedtime tonight. Um, it's chaos, man. It's almost like when I get on the road is my reset because when I'm home, it's complete chaos right now. But I wouldn't have it any other way. And the kids are good? Everybody's healthy? Everybody's happy? They're good, man. I mean, I don't like babies. So, I, you know, <laughs> I, it's, it's like it's hard having a little guy. Like, I, I know my wife wants me to cherish these days and, and sleepless nights and everything else. But I, I'm excited when I can put him down and tell him to fucking scurry and run along. You know, I mean, I don't I am very excited for him to be 12, 14, 16 months and be a little bit older. I, I'm not shy about it. I do not like the baby phase. He's cute, but he's just like a little heater. It makes me hot. John, I just I, I would like to have the chance to go with you to one of his future Little League baseball games because I'm sure you're just going to be such a great dad when it comes to your kid playing sports. I'm going to be so old they're going to think his grandfather's there. But, yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> no, no, I'll be the one they think his grandfather's uh-huh. there. You're still going to look fine. Don't worry about it. Hey, listen, Mama Buffer and Brother Brian, they both knew you were coming on the show. I called them you know, before you came on, and they said to please give you the best wishes. And, of course, Mama Buffer will be liking your Instagram posts for many, 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 many months to come, years to and come. And how about you. the fact that I shouted them both out unprompted? Hopefully they listen to It's Time. Listen, Mama Buffer, one of my biggest fans and listeners you know i i talked to her before and after every show and she actually talks about the fighters you know she goes into it yes john she's gonna when i tell her you're on the show which i already did trust me she can't wait till thursday she'll be there all right we'll tell her i'm sorry about the foul language and i will leave you with this it was reported today that the ufc is returning to miami florida on april 27th wow there you go. Drive to work. That's a, that's a fucking home game right there. I'm, oh. Well, I love Miami, so I'm going to ask Zach Candido if he'll get me a hotel room for a couple nights, even though it's only 45, 50 minutes away. But um, they're reporting Yoel Romero, Paulo Costa, potentially for the main event. This is very, very exciting. Mixed martial arts is enormous in Florida, and you need to bring the right fight to Miami. Um, mm-hmm. This, I'm jumping out of my skin. I'm so excited. No, I'm jumping too. We haven't been in Miami in years. No, years. it's going to be uh, 50, 14, 16 years. Yeah. And again, as far as the hotel room, listen, when they come to LA, that 40, 50 minute drive can easily become two hours. You never know what it's going to be. The hotel room will be, not be a problem, John, not be a problem. Yeah. Hey, if I'm you excited. want to utilize that UFC fight pass subscription, the last time the UFC was in Miami was UFC 42, where Joe Rogan was forced to do play by play with his color commentator, Phil Baroni. And, uh, they've had better nights. Let's just say that, but. Boy, does wow, that does that historian. bring back memories? Yeah, what an historical comment. I remember that now. Wow. Yeah, Baroni says, that. quote, ah, he shot his load. This one's over. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sounds oh, good. Times have changed. Hey, you'll appreciate this, John, and we'll let you go. The L.A. City, you know, we had 600,000 600, students that could not go to school for the last week because the, the teachers went on strike. Rupert, my uh, nephew, my boy, being one of them. Just announced, settled the suit. Everybody goes back to school tomorrow. Kristen is very happy. Very happy. Oh, man. And that's as a parent. Uh, you, in a lot of respects, you can't wait for Monday. It's crazy. But, yeah. you know, like I said earlier, run along now. Run along. We'll see you <laughs> later, you know. I mean, I sound like the worst father in the world, and I'm not. But it, it's, you know, it's real, man. It really is. It's, it's the, the greatest joy and pain you will ever experience. John, for the listening audience, before you sign off, I just got to tell you, you're one of the greatest dads in the world. I've been with you on the road out of the country, and you cannot wait to get home to see your wife and your children, of all of which you love more than anything. Good for you, John. Thank you, man. 
Yeah, good no, first flight out always, man. Always, always good to be with you guys, and, and we're happy with our podcast. We got TJ DeSantis back at the controls, thank God. So uh, it's been a good start to 2019. I'm excited for Melbourne. That is a massive, massive fight, and a uh, little recreation time in Melbourne as well. So uh, I'm excited to get to Australia. Exactly, and you're with us because you're now you're part of the Revolver Podcast family. Isn't it pronounced Revolver? A Revolver. I've been kind of saying Revolver. But then again, okay. I'm not announcing it in the octagon, so I don't have to practice it. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, I think it's – TJ, what is it? Is it Revolver or Revolver? I don't know. Revolver. All right, what do you want for now? I am almost positive because I did my research uh, that it is Revolver. But not tomato, tomato? Revolver, Revolver? Yeah, I think it's, it's Revolver. Um, but we're excited to be a part of the, the family, that's for sure. Jack and Tracy, we love you. We'll get the pronunciation right long term. Don't you worry. <laughs> Absolutely. It's only been a year, but I'm getting it down, Jack. I'm getting it down, Tracy. I'll make sure it happens. <laughs> All right, John. Have a great day. Love you, brother. Take care. Say hi to everybody for me, will you please? Love you too, buddy. I will. Thanks, guys. Have a good week. See you, John. Take care. Thanks, John. Always, as always, fun to have John Anik on the show. So with that being said, I want to go over one last thing, TJ, before we leave. If I can find it, what did I do with it? And it's about the it's the Oscar nomination. Oh, I thought it was just your adoration for me, but that's fine. Oh, that goes without saying. Come on, but I can't I can't butter your bread too much every single show. True. So let's let's go to you can butter mine though if you want. Come on. Uh, I mean, Hello? come on, Buff. You, you don't need it. Like you're <laughs> you're uh, you're drenched in butter. Okay, thanks. All right. You, you're uh, shrimp scampi. <laughs> shrimp scampi. I'll take it. I can't find the nominations here. Darn it. I just want to get the best picture ones. That's all I want. Okay, best picture nominees. Black Panther. Um, Never saw which it. I haven't seen it yet, you know, and I, I have it. That's, I, get this, I, I belong to the Screen Actors Guild, and when you're a member, they send you the DVDs of movies. So I have that to watch. Uh, Black Klansman, Spike Lee's film. Fantastic movie. I've seen it twice. I need to see that one. That's with uh, uh, Topher Grace, Den- right? Uh, no, yes, Denzel, and Denzel Washington's son. Is oh, the yeah. actor in the in the film? He's great in Ballers. Oh, he's he's an excellent actor. Wait, yeah. I mean, I've seen him in a couple of films. He does a great job. Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, nominated. The favorite nominated. Green Book. Roma. Another film I knew would be nominated, which is A Star Is Born, which is getting rave reviews for Lady Gaga's performance, and a very disturbing yet must watch film if you're politically inclined or you're interested in what's going on in in our country's government or in the past is the film Vice about Cheney. That will open up your eyes to a lot when it comes to politics, let me tell you. So, very, very cool to see these coming up. I want to see if i got the best Oscar actor. I'm sorry I didn't prepare for this properly. I don't have them all here. Anyway, right. the Oscars. You, you the had Oscars. them. I know you had them, but you know, you get John on, we get in the groove, and then show Oh, I got over. it right here. Got it right here. Got it right here. Ready? Gotcha. Christian Bale, who plays Cheney and Vice. Amazing performance. Best actor. Bradley Cooper, for A Star is Born. William Defoe. Longtime character actor nominated for At Eternity's Gate. Rami Malik, who plays Freddie Mercury in the Queen biopic Bohemian Rhapsody. And Vigo Mortensen for Green Book. There you go. Best actress. Uh, Glenn Close for The Wife. I heard it's fantastic. Well, actually, I saw it. She was fantastic. Excuse me. Lady Gaga. Isn't that amazing? It really blows me away. I've always said this. Performers, whether it's comedians like, like Jim Carrey, David Bowie, Jack Lemmon, the great actor from the past. On and on and on, and and also uh, people like Lady Gaga. I could go on about it. Cher. 
when they go to film, it seems like they adapt so well. This is her first movie, and she's been nominated for a Best Actress Award. Granted, it's about a singer, but she still had to do the acting. And Melissa McCarthy, longtime you know, comedic actor. She's been nominated for a film called Can You Ever Forgive Me? Stepping out of her comedic uh, area into this film. And now a nomination. So good luck to all of them. One last thing to directors. I always like to see this because you wonder if a film was nominated for best movie. Well, then the director should also be nominated for best director. And as I look here, that is the case. The best director is Spike Lee for Black Klansman. And then for the other film, Vice, Adam McKay. All good. All right, everybody out there, if you're looking forward to the Oscars, you've got the Golden Globes, all that. We're in the season now of the movies. Uh, one film I don't know will make it is Holmes and Watson, but <laughs> it was fun being in the film. Tons and tons of fun being in that movie. All right, TJ, that's it for me. Nice. Uh, good stuff on ESPN. You don't get enough credit uh, yourself from time to time. So here's that, that mandatory bread buttering. Figure I'd get oh. it before we get it out of the way. Um, Thank you. Yeah, Thank no, you great job. Been. It was awesome seeing the UFC on, on ESPN and uh, the numbers that you and John uh, talked about, uh, I think, reflected uh, what big deal this actually is, and uh, it's great, man. It's awesome. I'm tickled pink. I, I look to the future as nothing but looking to the future. Can't wait. Tons and tons of entertainment coming, not just for us and our work that we do, but for all the viewers and around the world that love the UFC. It's so much to come. So, so much. All right, everybody. TJ, tell everybody they can get a hold of you, as we always do, and then we'll move on. Yeah, uh, at TJ DeSantis on Twitter, at TJ DeSantis on Instagram. Um, you know, I don't know. That, that's it. Instagram and Twitter. Hit me up if you want. Otherwise, uh, uh, check out some of my stuff on Patreon. We cover mixed martial arts and a variety of shows. Patreon.com forward slash between rounds. Sounds great. And for me, uh, Twitter at Bruce Buffer. Instagram at Bruce Buffer UFC. Uh, enjoy the feedback I get on the posts that I make. I will see you all from Melbourne. I will not be in Fortaleza, Brazil on the 2nd or 3rd when that show is, uh, but I will be in Melbourne, Australia, looking very much forward to going down under. And I'm looking forward to getting back to Brazil. I think it's in May when we come back for a very big show in Brazil. I have not been to Brazil for a long time, and I can't wait to get back. So everybody, have a great week. We'll be back next week. Treat everybody around you with respect. Treat people the way you want to be treated. Be a role model to your sphere of influence. Set your goals. Write them down. Learn as much as you can about them before you step on that path. And when you do, be the best you can be. Do the best job you can because that means you're winning. And that's what we talk about here on It's Time Radio. We talk about winning. Thank you all for tuning in. Buffer out. The preceding podcast was a TJ DeSantis production. Comments, questions, and inquiries can be directed to DeSantisProd at gmail.com. The world has changed, and Microsoft Teams is there to help us stay connected. Teams is the safe and secure way to chat, meet, call, and collaborate. To learn more, visit Microsoft.com slash Teams. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.